Hello and welcome to episode 121 of the Haskincast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and if you read the title of this episode, you may be as excited to listen to it as I am to bring it to you. I was so fortunate to be able to secure a little bit of time with my guests today. I was trying to think of when in my life I came into contact with Uriah Heap, and I had thought it was between the ages of like 13 and 14, somewhere in there. But I actually realized just moments ago that it was a little bit earlier. Uh, It was actually, I must have been 10. I remember seeing uh, a video for a song called That's the Way That It Is. It was from the Abominog album, and that came out in 82. And so I'm thinking it had to be around that time. So Uh, You know, I'm creeping up on 50 now, so I've been listening to them for a long time, almost as long, well, not quite as long as they've been around, but I have been around almost as long as they have been around. Uh, But, uh, you know, I have uh, then gone on to get to their back catalog and go through all their their other albums, and and it has just been quite a journey uh, that I've spent with these guys. And I've had the opportunity to see them live a couple times when they've been here in Vegas, I had not heard of them touring in the States before, so I was very excited to go see them. And their live show is amazing. The energy on stage, the joy that you just feel from these guys, they genuinely enjoy performing and and it just wafts off the stage and and just, you know, surrounds you uh, like a a heavy perfume almost. It's, it's, It's such an intoxicating thing to see a band that just enjoys what they do that much. It's really cool. And uh, I have to uh, I have to apologize to Mick because uh, in the interview, you'll hear me ask him a question about, you know, songs like The Magician's Birthday, which are rather lengthy. And can you get away with doing songs like that today? And he pointed out that on their newest album, Live in the Dream, there is a song called Rocks in the Road. And when I look at the song, it is eight minutes and 18 seconds. That is a very lengthy song for people's attention span these days. But I didn't realize that the song was even that long. It doesn't seem like it. It seems like it's maybe four and a half or five minutes. It just flies right by. So when I ask, you know, can you get away with a song like this? Well, we just did one. Well, yeah, I just didn't realize it because it really does not feel like it's uh, it's that long. So uh, apologize for not being more knowledgeable, especially on the most recent album, which I've listened to. I don't know how many times. It's fantastic. Go pick it up. Uh, we also talk about my favorite song on the album, uh, which is called uh, Dreams of Yesteryear. Uh, just a, a beautiful song. It just it gets me every time I listen to it, uh, like so many of their songs do. Uh, there's there's bands that you can listen to and go, yeah, I, I, I get where they're going or I understand the story or whatever. There's so many of their songs that I feel like I've lived with them. And that's such a, a an important difference. And I think that's why this is one of the main bands that I cling on to. So uh, with all that out of the way, uh, you know, I I just have to say that Mick is somebody that has been in the business a long time, seen so many things, probably has just so many memories and stories and things in his head. But I've never once read or heard a single negative thing about him. Not once, not in interviews, ex-bandmates, current bandmates, uh, even, you know, different articles I've read, nothing, not one thing. And that really says a lot about him and a lot about the way the band works. And uh, man, I, I, thanks again, Mick, for coming on the show. So without further ado, I'm going to shut up now and just bring you my interview with Mick. Here it is. 
right, ladies and gentlemen, I am very excited to bring my next guest onto the show. He has been the foundation of Uriah Heap for the last 50 years. And celebrating their anniversary, they are coming out with an amazing box set like you've never seen before. Let's welcome to the show guitarist and wah pedal extraordinaire Mick Box. Mick, how are you? I'm doing fine, my friend. How's everyone? <laughs> it's uh, it's a little early here in the States, but uh, man, I'm happy to be talking to you. I've had the pleasure of seeing oh, you guys uh, live here in Vegas a couple times over the last few years. And man, you guys know how to put on a show. Well, you know, it's it's what we do and it's what we love doing. So, um, you know, we've still got a passion for what we do. And I think that shows through in the live show and everything that we do, to be honest. It does. I mean, even from from the time you guys walk out, there is just um, it, there's just an energy that you guys bring onto the stage. And even when you're singing a, a sad song or, or you know, a, an intense song, it, there's just so much joy coming from you guys. I've never really felt anything quite like it. Oh, well, that's kind of you to say that, you know, but I think, you, you know, I think the passion is always the word that I use, you know, because it is something, you know, we believe in, you know, and, and I think that comes through when you're recording an album, when you're writing songs and in and, 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 and respect of what we do. Absolutely. And why would you continue to spend your life on the road if it wasn't something you love doing? Well, absolutely. Um, but, you know. It's 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 really funny because people say you get tired of the road, and of course we do. But you know, once you're on that stage, everything's forgotten. You know, and the adrenaline kicks in. Uh, the fans are with you. The arms are going in the air. It's just amazing. Yeah, I, there's really unless you've been on the stage and played in front of a crowd, there's really no way to get anyone to understand what that feel is like. Um, I, Absolutely. I, I'm, congratulations on 50 years. There's so few bands that have been able to sustain that uh, length, even though there's been obviously member changes and things over the years. Uh, I'm really excited about this box set. Yeah, well, me too. I mean, it's a great milestone, isn't it? You know, 50 years is just absolutely amazing. I mean, when we first started out, I never thought I'd ever get to that. I'm so happy we have, and we've achieved something, as you say, a lot of people haven't, but, you know, that, that's just fantastic. It's a feather in our cap. <laughs> oh, uh, for, cer for certain. If I understand correctly what is included, it's every studio album plus uh, Live in 73, and then there are four additional discs. One uh, was decided by each original member, one by you one by Paul Newton, one by Ken Hensley, and one by Lee Kerslake. Uh, these are your favorite songs that are on a collection. And then there's the LP of Magician's Birthday that's been remastered, two art cards, which I believe are Magician's Birthday and Demons and Wizards, and then a beautiful 64-page booklet, all released by BMG coming out in October. Do I have it right? You do have it right. I yes. think there might be an abominable... Um, um, album card is art card in as well. Oh. Um, I think they've, they've, they've had a little bits, bits pieces, but yeah, that's, that's just about it. You know, it's great. It's really good. It's, it's, a, it's a really good package, you know, and it's a great um, testament to the 50 years that we've been playing music. Oh, for certain. Did you, uh, I don't know how often you listen to the old stuff other than, say, prepping a song for playing it live. Was it a, a good uh, nostalgia trip for you to go back and go through some of these older songs? Oh, 100%. It, you know, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, this is, this is my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it was it was just um, an amazing, but it was a very cool one. And, 
you know, sometimes I'm sitting there going, well, that's really, really good. <laughs> you know, it, it, it kind of surprised me because, you know, you do things in the moment and you leave it. You never you never visit again. You know, but with, with something like this coming out, I had to listen to quite a, um, a lot of the um, 49 years other than living the dream, if you like, our, our last studio album. And it's just a wonderful journey, you know. It's a really roller coaster ride, and um, but a very enjoyable one. Oh, yeah. I, I remember uh, I had been in touch with Ken Hensley many years ago, and I had asked him about one of his, the songs that he had written, and he couldn't remember it. And I thought, how do you not remember a song you wrote? But I was a very young songwriter. I'd probably <laughs> written 30 songs at the time. It, it, now there's so many. Do you do you look back at the titles and go, how did this go again? I mean, if we, we, we um, choose a track um, that we're going to revisit, I go back and I go, what the hell was I doing there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you just have to revisit it and, uh, and, and put your uh, head on and light a few joysticks and <laughs> and, uh, and get down to work. But you know, it's it's um, yeah, it's, it's it's quite surprising there because you know, obviously you develop as a player, so you go back to where you were back then, and it, it's it's really an interesting um, exercise, I have to say. Do you nitpick some of your older playing and go looking at, at the player that you are now and go, oh, I should have played that solo better? Or what if I would have done this? Or are you able to go, that's where I was at the time? I'm quite happy with it. It's a, you know, it's a statement of where we were at the time, and that's fine by me. You know, and, and that's the thing that goes into people's homes and and, um, and they live with forever, you know. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm with that, yeah. That's good. And and I think obviously even where you guys started, you were pretty damn good musicians. So I wouldn't really look at, at anything and go, I could have done better because I think you're great where you're at. Yeah, I don't think, I, don't, I think, you know, with, with the moment in time as well, you know, the 70s was a different creative time than it could ever be again in life. Um, because, you know, record companies used to sign with them for, you know, used to sign for seven albums, you know, and you grew with the label, the label grew with you. And there was a great creative input because of that. And that's why so many great, great albums and bands were around at that time um, in the 70s that have stood the test of time as well, I might add. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's, 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 I would go back and change it all now. Do you think, though, part of that comes from, I, I look at bands like Uriah Heep and Deep Purple and Emerson Lake and Palmer and bands from that time, and I think that part of the success is because you guys wrote what you wanted, because there wasn't a record company saying, here's how you're going to play your music. Uh, I would think it, it would no, be harder. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it would be harder now. Like, it's, it's uh, you feel the honesty in it that you don't, I don't really get in today's music. Yeah, but it's, it's done with a lot of nowadays isn't it you know i'm really a band is being in this they're all playing at the same time on the same heartbeat if you like you know the same pulse um and we, we had no such things as click tracks you know where, you know quite often i i, I feel that when a lot of people in search perfection lose all the 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 brilliant valuable stuff behind yeah. because they chip away at it to get something perfect and all the great stuff that makes you stand up in your arm and chills go through your spine when you, if you put perfect on that it, it, it ceases to have that effect you know so I think nowadays you know you, you, that, that's where people are you know the first thing is put up we don't as you are like our last in the dream we actually went into the studio and, and all, all the albums were done subsequently um, for many years we just go in and play Mm-hmm. You know, and let it ride. And if it, and if it gets a bit speedy, that's great because it's excitement. It's where, where it should be. 
you know, and um, I always say to a producer, uh, I've said it many times, I said, look, if we choose a track, if it sounds that good now, it will sound that good forever. So why go and fiddle with it? Mm-hmm. That's you know, you, you're going to shine it, you're going to shine it, but it isn't going to, isn't going to, isn't going to um, blind you. <laughs> Leave it where it is and it will blind you. <laughs> Absolutely. I think there's a difference between making something technically perfect and making it human and enjoyable. Absolutely. That's why we on our last studio album with Jay Rustin, our producer. He, he, he did a great job. He, he was really on that fine line. He was really, he kept all their heritage and everything, but he made it sound really great. It does. Uh, from beginning to end, I think the mix is fantastic. I think that obviously the songwriting and the performances are fantastic. In fact, I wanted to ask you about uh, Dreams of Yesteryear, the last song on the album. This one really, like every time I listen to it, it just kind of reaches in and grabs my heart. And 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 it's such a powerful song. Do you have any uh, memories or anything that you could share about how that one came together? I do. I do actually. We we actually started actually a shuffle to begin with. <laughs> really, funny enough, um, you know, a typical heap shuffle, easy living type shuffle. Mm-hmm. And then we went into pre-production, and Russ, our drummer, suggested say, "Why, why don't we just try it? Because the melody's so nice, and you've got the, uh, some nice guitar parts in there. Why don't we just try it as you know a bit more of a ballady type thing? And um, you know, obviously, a, a good melody and and Will 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 sound great whether they're fast, medium paced, or, or or very slow. You know, it always come true. Um, but we tried it, and 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 it started formulating very very nicely. So we kept it in that in 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 that tempo, and it and it, and it really speaks really well. And I do remember it very well because you know lyrically, I wanted to to um, get through. You know, like when I'm when I'm sitting at home or something having a drink and something triggers a memory back then and it's always a good memory and you never look, look at the bad stuff there's always a good memory and and it gives you an, a nice warm glow in your heart if you like mm-hmm. in your being and it, it's kind of that the dreams of yesteryear where, where those and sometimes those thoughts get you through some of the hardships that you're you're, you're approaching today yes that's so true because that- you realize how good it was back then you know yeah, and and I definitely feel that, and the the dialogue or the the lyrics and the delivery of the lyrics is just such such a powerful song. It's it's one of my favorite heap songs, and that I mean, obviously, that spans a lot of songs to listen to. No, well, that's fantastic, you know. And of course, the guitar repeat at the end, you know, which is just a theme, but it kind of rides out into the sunset sort of thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is is really cool too. Yeah, we like that. That and the accompanying snare drum buzz buzz uh, rolls. I think that that just kind of really really just brought a nice dynamic to it instead of playing a beat through that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's almost a military thing, isn't it? You know, but yeah. just, it, it just fits perfectly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, uh, we're, we're going to pass the torch to the next generation, but also we're not really ready to let it go either. And we're just going to keep doing what we do until we can't do it anymore. It's my mantra. <laughs> <laughs> Well, considering the energy that, you know, after 50 years, the energy that you guys have on stage, it shows that there is no reason to to not keep doing what you love doing. We never we never look at those. We never put those roadblocks up. You know, we're always looking for moving forward, doing doing shows in 62 countries that we put. Um, also, um, we, we recorded a new album in February. So 
Um, I'm busy writing songs for that with Phil, my keyboard player, and um, that's coming coming on really great. So, you know, we're always forward thinking. As much as we're proud of our heritage and, and the 50 years that's behind us, you know, we're always looking at creating more memories. Mm-hmm. Do you find it hard to balance that, though? Every time a new album comes out, you want to play material from the new album. You've got to play some of the songs that you know people are expecting you to play. Uh, could, could you get out of a, a show without playing Easy Living? Not with a happy crowd? Probably. No, 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 no. I, I think, I think you know, to be real about it and, and understand this music in their lives for a long time, and it means so much to them. So we'll always play this, you know, what, what, as we travel around the world, we find find out what the common denominators, I'm trying to say, are. Right. And that would be like your Gypsy and your July morning, uh, Easy Livings, and... Um, and even Lady in Black in some areas of the world is quite, quite an important song for them. So it's, it's um, you know, you know you have to play those songs, but they're great songs, you know, and they're a joy to play. People say to you, Why, do you ever get fed up playing them? And to be honest, once you start the intro and you see the fifth and of people's face light up, you know, it's like you're for the first time again. Right. I think Steve Moore said it best with Smoke on the Water. Somebody asked him if he ever gets sick of playing it, and he says, if you could just press a button and make 30,000 people light up, wouldn't you press that button? Exactly right. Yeah. He's, he's got that. And he has that on the button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's totally right. Yeah, yeah. It's right on the button, is. Yeah. I mean, even even if you're having a night where you're kind of like, I don't really feel like playing Lady in Black, as soon as you start it up, the crowd's just going to explode. I mean, it electrifies us, you know, and that gives us the energy. And, you know, us and our audience are one, you know. We, we, we feed each other. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's very important. Oh, for sure. I, I think it's interesting, too, how uh, the songwriting has changed over the years. I mean, you look at a song like Magician's Birthday and the length of it, you couldn't really get away with, with performing a new song like that now, but people will still accept the older songs that are that lengthy. Yeah, well, we've been on our last album, we had a song, um, what was it called now? Uh, Rocks in the Road, mm-hmm. which is quite a lengthy song that travels through various musical pieces and um, it's very much in the Midgets' birthday mold in terms of not, not not lyrically at all but in terms of you know it, it's a journey mm-hmm. and and people have been loving it you know so we we do still enter those areas of well, we, we call it progressive rock I guess mm-hmm. yeah I would say so and it's a great song too I, it's one of those songs that I kind of wish was another 20 minutes longer I would still listen to it yeah, we, I mean, we, we we really enjoyed it, you know, because we, we, we got the song written and then we did it grow, you know, um, and with, with all the various musical passages. And we just, well, this one goes here, this goes here, this goes here. And we, we do everything naturally. We don't pre-plan anything. So we're going to write, you know, a progressive song, a, a three-minute song, a, a, a hit or whatever, you know. We just we just let our music just evolve. And that one just evolved into that, that piece of music, which, which is, you know, a lot of people love. Which goes back to what I was saying earlier. If you're writing naturally and you're writing what you feel, it's always going to come out the best if you're being true to that. No, 100 percent. Yeah, because if you start and write to a format, you know, it, it never, it never works. Right. It never really works. You know, everything in heat done naturally. Mm-hmm. Certainly with I'm driving the force. <laughs> <laughs> now, I wanted to ask you, uh, I, I remember hearing that back in the early days, you guys used to share a space, a rehearsal space with Deep Purple. We did. It was in a in a place called um, Acton in London, and it was called the Hamwell Centre. 
Mm-hmm. It was kind of two big halls back to back. What they held various functions in that area, you know, um, assembly halls. And so, yeah, Purple were in one and we were in the other. So it was a hell of a racket. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was it was just it was good fun. We and we never we never heard what they were doing. They never heard what we it was too immersed in what we were doing in in each band's um, various rooms. But um, the, the fact was, yeah, we were we were very close there. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and a lot of good stuff come out of that. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, that was such a great era in music too. Uh, so where would what album would this have been for you guys? Very humble, very heavy. Yeah, that would turn into very heavy, very humble. Yeah. Oh wow! So this is really the beginning of Heap just changing over from Spice. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay, so is that where <laughs> when you say uh, you know it's it's the fifty year anniversary? Is that where you're counting it from from the name change, or what perspective are you looking at? We're actually looking at it from release of the first album. Okay. Because you know, although we'd finished or we were recording just before the end of uh 1970 we hadn't really released the album and and had the name change so i think that was the, the right the right decision to call 1970 as our start yeah i think so yeah that's fair um one thing that i find really interesting is if you listen to albums that were coming out back in that era every one of them had a distinct sound to that album because you're recording in different studios different equipment each album had a sound personality to it. And it seems like nowadays, because everything's so technologically perfect, um, a lot of albums just seem like, you know, you could release two or three albums and they could have been from the same session. Do you miss that album personality thing that we used to have? Oh, a million, million percent. I also think it goes back further. I think it goes back to the musicians, to be honest, mm-hmm. because when we were, the big four in England were, 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 were the Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, um, Uriah Heap, Black Sabbath. Um, but if if you look at the individual players, I mean, I didn't play anything like Richard Blackmore. I did play like Tony Iommi, Tony Iommi didn't play like. And on it went, and on on it on it went. You know, and, and every every guitarist was individual, every bass player was individual, every drummer was individual, the keyboard player, and every vocalist was individual. And some of those parts gave the flavour to each band. So what you're saying is absolutely correct. That flavour then is taken into the studio and you got a, a, an album of, of the character of that band. Nowadays, um, if you just take guitars, for instance, they, they go into a um, school, say, through the front door, and they come out two years later, incredible guitar, but they're playing... Mm-hmm. There's no attention... That 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 two year period to anyone you know developing anyone's individuality, and that's what's missing. Mm-hmm. I mean, nowadays you can take one person at one band, throw them in another, throw them in another, throw them, you wouldn't even know the difference. But back then, you'd notice a big difference, mm-hmm. you know, because of the because of the individuality. Very true. If I were to hear a song that I hadn't heard from an album in the 70s era, I would know which album it came from just by the tonality of the song. If I if I heard Sunrise, I would know it came from Sweet Freedom, for example. And I think you don't get right. that nowadays. Everything's just too, here's how we EQ it. Here's how we record it. It's just too pristine every time. Yeah, everybody's following the same path. That's that's the thing, you know. And, um, and then there's an acceptance industry is how you buy music how you hear music isn't it mm-hmm. you know now i mean we go into it's really funny we go in the studio we spend a stupid money because we still believe in what we do in the studio to record something audibly 
the best we could ever get. And then it all gets squashed down into an MP3 player and people buy it that way. Yeah. It's really weird, isn't it? You know, but you know, we can't stop ourselves doing that because that's what we believe in and we think this is the way to the way it should be. Um, but lots of people are with the MP3 head on, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. That's their starting point. And that's the frustrating thing because you can put out a great sounding record, but if I'm listening through a pair of cheap earbuds through my phone, I'm not going to get the dynamics of that album. I'm not going to get the richness of it. But if I listen to it in my studio speakers, which most people don't have, it's a whole different experience. I really think that we're we're oh, destroying 100%. our listening experience. We're missing it so much. And the other thing that's that's missing too is that the the um, when you release an album, generally there's, there's generally there's a lead track off of every album in the, in the world that, that that people get attracted to that album for. For you know what I mean? It's it's, it's the standout track to people. But within that album, there's other songs that are growing. The immediate song will fall to the wayside, and these ones will stay with you for the rest of your life. We never get to that point now. Mm-hmm. We we get to the immediate song that gets played, it gets a little bit of airplay, disappears into the ether, and on we go on to the next one. You know, you, you, you never. It's it's very difficult for an album band to be band now because it's, they're just looking for the one track. Right. Yeah, that's very true. And because uh, everything has changed with the way that record companies work, the way is, the way that touring has worked, I'm still glad that you guys are putting out albums and not focused on being a singles band. I believe in myself that way. You know, I look to the future. Too, I'm too positive to um, to want to move forward with everything. You know, I mean, writing a new album, writing new songs, just energizes me to to continue anything else. So um, that has to be. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that more. Now, with the box set, what versions of the albums are we getting? Are we getting the original studio releases? Are they remastered or bonus tracks, or is it just the the flat original cut? As far as I understand, it's the original cut, but they may have may have remastered them. Um, I don't. I can't answer that question one hundred percent. Okay. Uh, um, but definitely, um, I think they're pretty true to the original one. I assume. Well, it's certainly plenty of music to listen to, <laughs> you know, 23 CDs. Oh, uh, mate, that's, you know, that's a lot. You, you can lose a few hours there. You can lose <laughs> a few hours. <laughs> I, I would consider it time well spent. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, thank you. I wanted to ask you uh, with, uh, you know, obviously you guys aren't touring as just about everybody else's, but I really wanted to thank you for uh, putting out a shirt to support your crew. Uh, mine just arrived the other day. Uh, Deep Purple did that as well. I hope that's a trend that other bands will um, start working towards because you guys are out of work, but so is your crew. One hundred percent. You know, um, as Uriah Heap, we, we are we are one team, band and crew. We travel together. We stay in the same hotels together. We eat together. We we are a team. So it's very important for us to to. Acknowledge the fact that they that they haven't any earnings, so we we made a T-shirt that buy and 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 we donate the money to the to the. I mean, it's not going to it's not going to buy them a house. <laughs> it, right. it might not even buy them a meal, you know. But you know, it's a gesture that you know that they understand that we're a team, and you know, a good investment in your career is the best thing you can ever do because you know sometimes when we're out the road, it can get really really hard and difficult, and. If they feel part of that team, they'll go the extra mile for. The, they'll have everything set when you walk out on that stage, no matter what the what the hardships are to get there and get that done. Yeah. And 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 that's the spirit. That's the spirit we live in, you know. So we're, we're a team. With it's not band and crew. It's it's one team. 
Yeah, that's so important. I mean, just taking care of people that uh, taking care of people in general, but especially those that uh, look after you as well is so vital in this world. So I'm, I really appreciate that. It says a lot about the band and a lot about the people that you are. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this box set. It's due out sometime in October. And uh, man, if you guys yes. are, are even interested in your eye, he just just get it. It's it, it's not just the door. It's the palace. <laughs> that's that's it. You know, it's. It is a good package. It's a lovely package, and uh, there's some great music there from a lot of, lot of really great musicians. I'm not counting that, but there's some really great musicians and writers and songs, and and it really is. Um, it's become a part of history now. It's 50 years. Happy days. <laughs> yes, and I haven't seen the track list, but I'll be very curious to see which songs each of you picked as your favorites. This this will be fun. Well, do you know what? I can give you a little insight on that because oh. it's quite funny because I was asked to do that, and I thought well, it's quite obvious that everyone else is going to choose the same tracks. So I don't think, well, that'd be pretty boring, wouldn't it? So I, mm-hmm. I, I actually chose tracks that I, um, lesser known tracks, if you like. Right. Like deeper. Cuts. I didn't go for, I didn't go for, I didn't, I didn't for the, the obvious. I went for the deeper cuts because I felt that that would be a, a, a better listen to people because, um, you know, um, I, I was convinced the others would, would obviously use the, the hits we play. So, and, uh, I, I took another route on it. So if mine looks a bit different, it's because I went, Cup. Well, that's how it should be, though. It should be the ones that, you know, obviously the the ones that you are known for are going to be kind of just givens. And this should be, you know, this song really means something to me. And I've forgotten about this one, but reliving it made me want to put it on here. So I'm yeah. glad you did that. But if I get this and I find it Easy Living is on your CD, we're going to have a talk. <laughs> I can't even remember if I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out soon but- enough. Eight, can I can I I can stop you making that phone call? Eighty percent of what is deep cuts. There you go. <laughs> well, Mick, the other twenty percent I can't remember. Fair enough. Well, Mick, I cannot thank you enough for coming by the show. I wish you guys the the greatest success. I'm already looking forward to this new album uh, that you're going to record in February. I'm sure it's going to be great. Love to the guys, and can't wait to see you guys get back on tour and come back and see us in Vegas. Thank you, my friend. Happy days, and thanks for your support. And everyone out there, thank you for your support. You know, it means the world to us. And uh, hopefully when this pandemic disappears, we can come out and see it again and uh, rock on down. We (laughs) will be waiting. We'll rock down. (laughs) You take care, my friend. (laughs) Thanks, my friend. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, you see what I mean? I mean, what a great guy. He's brilliant. He's articulate. He's passionate. He he believes in himself. He believes in his band. He's uh, he's very generous with his time, very generous with his fans. I mean, you can't say enough about this guy. And on top of it, he's a brilliant writer, uh, an unbelievably talented guitarist. Uh, definitely someone I think who's who's really kind of gone under the radar, at least in the United States, as, as really Uriah Heep has. So uh, go check out that box set. I don't have the link to it yet because it's not available, but that will be next month. I'll shoot out uh, something in my uh, email blast about it. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming uh, with me on the journey of speaking with Mick. Thank you, Mick, for coming on the show. I will be back next week with another show. I think I'll uh, I'll air the second half of my uh, interview with April. So tune in next week. In the meantime, very happy. Cheers, guys.